I, I changed my mindset. And if at the end of the day, I can look in the mirror and, and ask myself three things. One, did I, did I work hard? Yes. Okay. That's good. Did I give up? No. Okay. Three, did I help somebody today? Yes. If I can say yes to those, if I can answer those three questions honestly the right way, then you know what? Today was a great day. RC Underground Radio. Yes, I realize I look like an idiot with this mustache, and I'm okay with it. The ultimate podcast that covers everything RC. You don't need to cut anything either. You can just call this the raw, uncut episode. We can leave it at that. The raw. <laughs> yeah. Are you drinking dollar store soda again? Quit yeah. spending your money on RC stuff. You can buy some lean <laughs> brand soda. <laughs> your backstage pass to the RC industry with insiders that are shaping the future of the hobby. The, the future, future of the, of the hobby. hobby. When, when we bring this guest on, I guarantee people are going to go, are you kidding me? He wrote a song. I did. I did. We're going to have to end this soon, huh? Yeah, no <laughs> shit. And we're going to have to edit this. So, here are your hosts, Dave Brinkman and Ryan Ratzloff. All right, we want to welcome everybody to another edition of RC Underground Radio. We got a great show tonight. This is one of our guests that everybody looks forward to, and we actually have him on screen this year. Last year we did it audio. This year we are doing video and audio. Please welcome to the program, and we want to thank you for coming, Matt the Murph Dog murphy matt thanks for joining us tonight yeah thanks for having me uh unfortunately for your viewers i have a uh, face for radio but uh now you guys get to stare at the ugly mug well you know it's it's a value add because you know we don't have ryan ryan on tonight so he definitely has a face for radio so now yeah. gotta pick right on my buddy are. right you are we gotta i gotta pick on my buddy when he's not here you know yeah. I, that makes sure that he comes on because he knows that you know we're gonna we're gonna take shots at him if he's not here to defend himself so yeah. uh, we gotta do it when we can so tonight i came up with some things that i want to find out from the dog and then uh, i'm sure in our conversation other things have come up and obviously you're gonna have things you want to talk about but what i kind of want to get to right away is what i like to call the murph dog state of the hobby address um just give it to a straight Murph. Just you know, you never hold back. <clears throat> I'm not one that's ever going to sh- sugarcoat it. So there's definitely a, a large amount of things in this hobby that uh, I feel are issues that are going to um, come to a, a head at some point. It's going to be uh, potentially catastrophic for for racing. But uh, one thing that uh, I'm really struggling with is how a lot of manufacturers seem to uh, they want to cut out local hobby shops and sponsor a thousand people and sell direct to customers at a discounted rate, um, basically a contracted customer. And that's just frustrating. I mean, local hobby shops struggle to get the product in stock. And even if they did have it in stock, uh, most tracks have somebody or multiple people sponsored by a specific tire company or a body company or motors or whatever. And that uh, they're buying stuff at a discount for all their friends. So their buddies are all getting a deal on it. And local hobby shops can't make money off racers um, that they need to. They can't sell the 
staple items like bodies and tires and wheels and that kind of stuff. And it just it makes it really tough. So um, I've worked in the RC industry since, well, my, technically my first job, 1997, uh, when I was <laughs> – technically 14 years old working in a local hobby shop um i worked in hobby stores forever and now i am stupid enough to own one and uh it's not a very um bustling business um you don't you don't start a track or hobby shop to make money you start it because you love it and then you try to figure out how to keep your love alive and it, it requires passion and dedication and um, the right people in the right atmosphere to make it last. So um, it's really tough right now for retail hobby stores. Uh, that's why I tell guys, support your local hobby shop. Every time you walk in the door, whether you buy a, a can of motor spray or whether you buy servo tape and body clips or anything, walk in. I, I try to walk in every shop I walk into, local hobby shop, I try to walk in and spend 20 bucks um, just so I'm supporting. And... Um, whether I need something or not, uh, I just I, I appreciate the local hobby shops that are out there giving their local people somewhere to uh, get get what they need. And I know it's hard. I mean, um, my business it's tough. Like my racetrack and my shop, we've never turned a profit. Like we've never there, there's there's good months where we're in the green, but there's more months where we're in the red, and they they balance out, and we've never turned a profit. And we'll be this is we're coming up. This is. This month, so we're basically two weeks away from four years in existence. And if it wasn't for my other businesses that do make money, this this would not be possible. So um, I I love what I do. I have an awesome man cave where my buddies get to come play toy cars with me. But uh, it's just not it's not feasible to make a good living at a hobby shop. Um, it. it if you had a lot more money to invest and and could have a really big kick butt hobby shop with eight different tracks and options and all this other stuff, it's possible. But um, all the hobby shops I know of, they're doing well and thriving. They have a little bit of everything. They're not just RC specific. They have planes, trains, models, um, like Gundam creatures, like figurine. All uh, you name it, they got it. So. Um, sure. It, it's really hard if you're not one of those shops to have an that, that actually turn a profit. Um, and for for me here, it's it's always been about just keeping it running, breaking it even, and and supporting the racers. And uh, I love the racers we have. Um, for me personally, there's nothing more rewarding than when I get up for a drivers meeting every night and look look across the pits and see uh, all my buddies out here supporting me week in week out and uh, and I, I love the vibe we have at my place, and to me, that's just huge. Um, it keeps me going. It keeps me coming back week after week, and even though things are tough sometimes, it, it's, it makes it worth it. So um, I don't get a race as much as I'd like since I'm almost always announcing races and whatnot. I think I raced one RC four times this year, and I raced dirt four times this year, um, and that'll be my final number for the year. So uh, it's pretty pretty crazy um, someone as passionate about it as I am and, and that used to race four four times a month like in a different state. Like I used to travel or race for a living. And so it's a lot different um, mindset and just going and, and just maintaining um, the attitude that you need to to not get burnt out and not just 
be jaded, you know? So, sure. um, I'd love to race. I, if I could, if I had my way, I'd race six days a week and every track <laughs> yeah. available, but it's not quite that simple. So, so you brought up an interesting point early on in, in what you said and, and everything you said is on point, but you brought up about sponsored racers. Got in a conversation about that with the Drakes uh, several episodes back. And, you know, the biggest thing they emphasized was don't, as a racer, don't get caught up on having to be a sponsored racer. Sure, you get a deal on parts or whatever, but all you're going to do, like Adam said, if you've got $100 and you're a sponsored racer, you're still going to spend that $100. Yeah. You're you're just gonna buy more stuff, so they 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 tried to push that. You know, they see a lot of their friends in that get out of it because they're like, "Well, I'm not sponsored. I I've been trying so hard and I can't get sponsored." And they're like, "Don't get caught up on that." So that's one piece of it that I would continue to suggest to racers. But you brought up a good point: is then they kind of take advantage of it, maybe, or they're trying to be too friendly with their friends, and and all they're doing is hurting the hobby shops because I think. You know, tell me if I'm the right on the right track. So, so the the mindset usually is, well, let's say the tire is twenty five dollars a pair retail, and well, I get them fifty off, but I'm I'm fifty off of the inflated suggested manufacturer retail, so I'm getting fifty off of thirty, not twenty five. So the street right. price is twenty five, so I'm getting them for fifteen because I'm sponsored. Well, what if I tell my buddy, hey, I'll get you whatever you need. It's going to cost you eighteen bucks. So I'm going to make three bucks on each one. It's going to help me so I can get more of what I need. It's going to get them what they need, and it's going to work out. So they'll make a couple bucks off their buddy. They'll get some of their stuff taken care of, and they'll have this huge order. And then all the racing buddies are covered. And um, there's really – I've been on some sponsor deals in the past, and there's never been anything in my contract that says that was not okay. Unless – now, this is, this is how it goes. Back when I was uh, actually accepting sponsorship, to me – a sponsorship is you believe in me. You want you choose me. I don't seek you out. You choose me to represent your brand, your product. You make me an offer, and that offer is you're going to give me free product in in exchange for my services. And I'm going to race to represent your product, and I'm going to do my best to win with it and represent your product with uh, class at the racetrack and be a good example to other racers, uh, etc. Um, sometimes way back in the day, there'd be other things involved like contingency money. If you win races with products, there could be your cover and travel or you, you cover like, like sponsors would cover entry fees, stuff like that. So like back when sponsorship mattered to me, when, when, when I first was chasing sponsorship, sponsorship was getting me to the racetrack. Sponsorship was mm-hmm. you're putting faith in me to represent your product, not me buying stuff. I'm going to be buying anyways. So, um, for me, sponsorship was someone is investing their time and their resources into me, and um, man, I, I appreciate it. Uh, what sponsorship has become is contracted customership with a discount. And now you're only allowed to race this product of tire, and no matter what. So if I go to a race and this other tire is better, I don't. No matter what, I'm contract. I have to run this one. And for me as a racer, there is no way I want to be under contract to be inferior. And I dealt with that a couple of times in my career when I was on some deals where everything was free. And 
that that's I mean, if you're getting all your stuff for free and they're helping you with travel or whatever, and you you got to suck it up one race and be on inferior stuff, so be it. Um, hopefully, you're good enough of a driver to make up for some of it. Good enough with chassis stuff, tire like tire preparations and stuff like that. But I mean, uh, it's just there's so much of this. But right now, okay, I, I've done this in the past, and I had a, a little social experiment with some buddies. I created a bogus Facebook profile and I posted a photo and random name off found off of live RC and posted a race report. And then I sent a uh, email or Facebook messenger message to the team manager for a specific team. I'm not going to mention what it is. So I don't want to call anybody out particularly. And, but I got a 50% tire deal, a 50% motor battery uh, deal and I got a uh, 25% off chassis deal for someone that doesn't exist off a made up racing resume from a C main like trophy in a nitro race. And mm. like, doesn't he, So I, I tell people if you have a pulse and a credit card number, I can get you a sponsorship. You just got to mm. go to the right place. There's plenty of op- opportunity out there. Um, so sponsorship today is not sponsorship, it's customer, it's contracted customership, and you're locked in. And so you have these guys now on social media who are out there just rocking and toting all for this brand all over the place. And whether it's the best or not, they're going to sit there and say it is because that's their job. And people feel like they're so responsible for like the success of this brand when this brand has absolutely zero dollars and zero cents invested into them. In fact, they're selling to them for the same price they would sell to a hobby shop for. So if they're not losing any money, they just gain customers. That are now their mouthpiece. So, yeah, because yeah. yeah, you become their salesperson, a free yeah. salesperson, and so so that's interesting. First of all, thanks for the transparency and really explaining like behind the curtain on how that works. And and, and you're right on the money. <laughs> um, so would you say then that I don't want? I'm just going to say it that these sponsorships they don't really think it through, or I guess I can say care of how the impact on the hobby shop is. And are they looking that, okay, I'm okay with, with Billy Bob, you know, getting a tire deal for all their friends because that's, he's basically providing products for you. Yeah. He's, he's basically sampling my product, but I'm still making all the money I would have made because as you said earlier, he's just marking it up and saying he's bringing it down 50%. Would that be a true statement? I, I call it an unethical practice, but I mean, it's become the business model of, of most major RC companies. Um, I, I don't know the exact number of, of it, but there's there. I can go to just about any regional off-road race and find you a, a good number of guys. Like there's probably 40% of the guys there have a tire deal, regional stuff, like not even top tier. There's guys that have never made an A main at a, uh, a top tier regional race and they, they got a tire deal and they got a, a chassis deal and it, it's just contracted customership and it's just not great for the hobby. Um, the crazy thing for me is how much people like put into that, like the, to define who they are as a racer and how good they are. And it's all about like, they want that team shirt that has those logos on it. And they want that social media post where they tag all those things. And then, my my Goodyear tires were so good, and 
Man, my, my motor, my my this tire, this engine, my Chevrolet was so like they see the NASCAR guys do it on TV, and it's like they they want to do that so bad. And man, I've refrained from posting any sort of race race reports lately, just because I just I'm so over it. I guess it's a spy. It's just I despise seeing so much garbage. Um, so like on social media right now, this is like RC silly season, and. Um, I didn't post it this year, but, uh, like three years ago, I made a decision, um, personal decision that I was going to cut off all my sponsorships. So right now I have zero sponsorships. I do not have any deals with anybody. I run the products I believe in and I choose to run. It just so happens that those products tend to be in line with exactly the same stuff I ran four years ago when I did have sponsorships, but I just didn't want to... If it wasn't free, if it wasn't something like that, it, that it didn't didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not sure. investing in me as a racer, I don't need it, um, and I don't want to be seen as a guy that's for sale. So um, that's kind of just become my thing. And I've been full privateer for four years, but there's tracks that don't let me race certain classes because I'm considered a professional racer. And I mean, that's flattering. Um, me as a racer, 15 years ago, okay. You're in trouble. Like I, 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 when I get to the racetrack, it's that's something. But nowadays, um, I'm not what I used to be talent-wise. Uh, I'm perhaps smarter than I've ever been and better with chassis, chassis setup and stuff like that. But I'm definitely not as talented as a lot of these kids out there that show me up on a regular basis. So, <laughs> so I got to ask the question. Then you've you've experienced it yourself. You see what's wrong with it. What's the right way to do it? You know, if if <laughs> well, like, like Adam Drake, uh, he 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 was the one that kind of broke the mold and 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 like changed things. Like he was uh, up in Michigan, this is this kid in Michigan working his ass off and making it making it go. And uh, he did what he wanted to do. He chased the dream, and he went to races and got the recognition and and got the sponsorship and got the deals. And I mean, I remember I met him for the first time in I think '98. Uh, at a race, might have been 98, 99, right around there. He came out to a race at my local track that I worked at, and um, and he was just, I heard, I had heard of him, and I didn't know much about him, and I liked it because he put his head down and he worked, and he was fast, and but he was like personable but shy, like he's he wasn't going to go out of his way and start a conversation with you, but if you ask him a question man, he'd dive right in and help you out. And that, I mean, it's just it's such a great, he had a great air around him, you know? So um, I've known Adam for a long time. Um, it's not like we're like buds and I call him or anything like that, but um, we've had a lot of experience around each other. Back in the day, I used to uh, be a mechanic for some guys with some Nitro stuff for Team Losey stuff. And when he ran for Losey, um, so we, we spent, spent a good amount of time doing the same circles and whatnot, but, uh, he worked his butt off and he got his deals and he's, he, he's figured out how to make a living in RC and whether it's this company, that company, um, I would say him and I have kind of mirrored each other in how we do things to a certain extent, because we've both, um, made a living in RC for a long time, but we've had to evolve how we do it. Um, there's not as much of the, Hey, we're going to sponsor these six guys and take care of their stuff and, and give them hundred percent stuff. And then 
nowadays, instead of having six guys like that, they'll have 60 guys on a 50-off deal, and they'll have 360 guys on a 25-off deal, and that's how they do their team stuff now. So there's not a lot of – I mean, only the top guys in the world right now are making a good living uh, racing RC cars anymore. Nowadays, you ha- kind of have to work for a manufacturer or have your own products and, and figure out a different way to make a living. And Adam's always been that guy that uh, not only does he be smart and he comes up with, with stuff, but um, he's always got, to, got the right product at the right time to keep him, keep him relevant. Uh, his line of engines, um, uh, chassis stuff. I mean, the jump when, when, when things happened with uh, Horizon, he left TLR, Losi, and went to Mugen. That was a big deal. But he's always been able to figure it out, like what the next step is, and how to make that work. And that's kind of for me. Um, racing stopped paying the bills, and I had to look at the other direction. So it just uh, changed stuff up. So. Now I sell products. I still race. I, I tell guys I still race for a living, but my race results don't matter. It's who I am at the racetrack, how many people I help, and how I show them and teach people how to better have fun and enjoy their cars. And the reputation I have, and then like the interactions you have with me, makes you want to say, "Hey, this guy has good products, and he helped me. He shows me how to use it, and he's honest with me. He's not going to blow smoke up my butt, and I want to use his stuff." And that's how I make a living, and it's just working out. So. Yeah, and for, and for sure, and that that is emphasized on this show. And it's not just Ryan and I talking about the experiences we've had with you, which have been phenomenal, but it's like almost every episode, your name comes up. I don't know if you listened last week, and and I had uh, uh, Greg on from uh, uh, DFW, and he talked about how you guys rat- raced together at San Antonio. Yeah, and how you were straight up and just helped him out, and him and his son, and you know they got faster, you got faster. So that's got to be fun for you too, when you're helping somebody at the racetrack because it's it brings on you know you kind of help them out to make them more competitive, and then that lights the fire for you. I would imagine. So, well, yeah, hundred percent. So like, it's a couple of things that I like to focus on at the racetrack. Um, I always want to help everybody out. I have no secrets. I will share my setup. I will tell you what I got going on. Um, first of all, I want to. I want to beat you. If we're at the racetrack to race against each other, I want to beat you. I want to beat you heads up. I don't want to beat you because your car was a piece of crap and mine was awesome. I want to beat you heads up. And if you got what it takes to beat me, then awesome. Shake your hand. We'll, 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 go, we'll go have a cold one and enjoy it. You know, we'll talk about it. But, I mean, like, it doesn't matter if I win, but the goal is to win. But at the end of the day, uh, what's kind of been my saving grace the last, I guess, dozen years has been I changed my mindset, and if at the end of the day I can look in the mirror and and ask myself three things. One, did I, did I work hard? Yes. Okay, that's good. Did I give up? No. Okay. Three, did I help somebody today? Yes. If I can say yes to those, if I can answer those three questions honestly the right way, then you know what? Today was a great day. And that keeps me in the mindset where I don't get burned out at the racetrack. Um Sure, it's always cool to win, but it's all about winning. Um, com- competition to me is everything. Like the the thrill of competition, just still just gets me excited, and like I'm excited th- at the thought of racing. You know, what I mean, like I just get like an extra, like get little chills in my arms, little goosebumps, and like 
I still feel that. And then the day that I don't have that anymore, I'll stop racing. I'll find something else to do. But like racing still gets me that way. And um, I don't get to do it as much as I'd like. But I mean, it's almost like it's kind of, it makes it where when I do get to go race, it's that much more special. So. Sure. So again, as we talk about, you know, what's going good in the hobby. I mean, obviously the camaraderie, the spirit of racers, I, I, tend to see, you know, again, we're, we're somewhat, you know, involved in the one RC. So we really see it there, but, you know, racing some 10 scale stuff and eight scale stuff and Ryan's doing a lot more. Um, it, it seems like there's people in the hobby right now that are, seem to be in it for the right reasons. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that's isolated or. So I would say there is certainly You'll, you'll have pockets, like pockets or regions, areas where guys have certain attitudes and certain certain areas where other guys have different attitudes. And um, honestly, attitudes everything. Um, the way you, your expectations and how you carry yourself and how you accept what happens that's huge. But I think there's the one thing I'll tell you that's like totally underrated is there's a handful of track owners slash race directors slash hobby shop owners around the country who really promote and support and exude a certain vibe that just creates racing that matters where, man, we're here. And it's an experience. It's not just here, pay me your money, go run your laps and go home. You know, it's, it, it's an experience and they, they teach camaraderie, they teach sportsmanship. Um, and it's, it's about fun, but we also want to compete, you know, and, and, and there's other areas where it's almost like, man, you would swear we're racing Formula One and there's billions on the line. And it's like, yeah. end of the day, even even when, when I'm at my most serious races, like RC Chili Bowl's coming up in a, couple, in a month or whatever, and shoot, less than a month. I don't want to think about that. But um, not ready. Uh, anyways, uh, so when races like that, like, some guys are just in it for blood. They're the one that went and end of the day, you're not getting rich going out there. You go, you can show up at chili bowl and you can win every single class out there that you race. And you're not going home a rich man. It's not going to make your life enriched. Like I've won that race four times. It's cool. I, I've enjoyed it. it. It's, it's a nice feather in the hat, but it doesn't change my life. It never has, never will. Um, it, you go back to your day to day life and, it's all about who you are and how you treat people. And that's how I think the race life of the track should be. And a lot of guys just kind of, they don't treat people well at the track and they're not good people to be around. And, and it just kind of comes with the area. So like certain tracks and, and your, your, your buddies uh, are fortunate to have a track to race at that's got some guys that uh, do some real good stuff, have great attitudes. And um, you know who I'm talking about. Right. So uh, it, it, it just pays off. So certain areas, certain vibes. I mean, I announce at a racetrack every other weekend in South Carolina, and like I, I'm used to racing two thousand dollar purpose built race cars, and we we averaged this last year like 110 cars for the entire year, and I I'd say it's 97 percent Traxxas cars, and like it's the exact opposite of anything that I would have ever thought our sport would become. So Murph, you, you just mentioned that you see that, you know, Traxxas is really uh, predominantly the cars that a lot of people are racing and enjoying. Is that a good thing? Is it good when one 
company like that kind of dominates the hobby. So like that, that kind of takes this full circle. So um, the best thing about all the Traxxas cars is nobody has a Traxxas sponsorship. The worst thing about the Traxxas deal is Traxxas doesn't care one lickety split about dirt oval racing or whatever over RC racing in general. They, they were committed 20 something years ago to the concept of one day all RC cars will be RTR and that'll be the market. And everyone's going to want to buy a, buy a car built in the box, pull it out and drive it that day. And guys like me, um, serious racers who want to build a kit and do it our way and experience that. And, and that was the thing. And so Traxxas committed full send the other direction and it's worked out for them. And the quality and the entry, uh, and the, the cash entry point, um, it's, a, it's phenomenal. So like they get a, it's a lot easier to get a hundred race, a hundred, hundred cars at a race with $350, cars than it is to get $2,000 cars. There's nothing wrong with that. So, like, when it comes to the sponsorship deal, um, Trax is not giving a crap about what the, what, what the racing world is doing with their stuff is probably the best thing they got going. Um, but that goes full circle. Uh, we race 1RC every week, once or twice at my shop here, and that's our bread and butter. And the best thing about 1RC is there's not one person in the world sponsored by 1RC. There's no, nobody's out, out there's racing with secret parts. I mean, as long as you follow the basic rules of one RC parts only and production stuff on the car, it's meant to be on and that kind of stuff. I mean, man, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, going track to track. I mean, there, some tracks I have to change a few things. Some tracks have some quirky rules and whatnot, but I mean, it's not like I'm changing complete parts. Like I might have to change a, run a different radio or run it, run at a certain speed of setting or whatever. And uh different battery, this or that. I mean, it's not, I have to buy a whole different car and build something completely different. So, um, one RC is great because literally like at any race I'm at, if you think my car's like got something better, you can protest it. They'll tear it down. I mean, most of the tracks I go to, my car comes back in a box uh, or a bag of parts, and and it's okay. I mean, that just means I need to rebuild it. And nine times out of ten, it's that time. So um, it, it's it doesn't hurt my feelings, and I, I enjoy when guys tear my stuff down and they realize, hey, that car's got all the same parts my car has. And that's the coolest thing about 1RC is we've all got the same thing. Um, the package is real good. Uh the cars race well, they drive well, they respond to changes, and it's all at a price point that's just affordable. Um, I, I, I never thought I'd see the day. I, I, if you would have said 20 years ago that I don't know RC track in a hobby shop that focuses on 118th scale oval cars, I would have been like, yeah, you're crazy. But um, Brent's done a really good job creating this product, and man, it's it's been pretty amazing, and I have a lot of fun with it, and there's just enough adjustment in the cars to make them do what you need them to do and where you're not all basically the same exact setup. And, but at the end of the day, the cars are still, even if you change every aspect of the, the set, so that you can change, it's still 98% the same exact car. I mean, it's right. pretty awesome. So, so here's a question. It, 
and you you hit it on the head. You can't take it away from Traxxas that they, you know, because again, we were both involved in that back in the eighties and nineties, going into two thousand. Like this hobby is not a hobby anymore. It's getting too expensive, and people were getting out. So to your point, Traxxas said, "Okay, that's the problem. How do we solve it?" They said, "We're going all in on this R <laughs> thing," and yeah, it worked out. And you can't you can't blame them for that. But whether it's Traxxas or whether it's 1RC, and those seem to be the two lanes that have the greatest momentum right now because of the price point, because of how the, the parts are, like you said, are and, and no, uh, the parts are controlled and no sponsorships. But we all know that racers are our own worst enemy, right? 100%. So what are your thoughts on things that could take two things that right now in 2023 look phenomenal so that, and that the racers themselves would start to deteriorate it. So not in five or 10 years from now, we're having a conversation saying, man, Traxxas and 1RC used to be great, but this happened. Is there any things down the road or could be happening that as racers, we just have to agree, we have to not do this or avoid this. I have my own idea, but I want to see what you have and avoid this so we don't ruin a good thing. <clears throat> well, um, I think the thing is really uh, there's a key there it, on a, from a racing standpoint. Um, I tell guys this all the time. Uh, the number one thing is need to have a clearly well written set of clear, clearly clearly defined well written set of rules that are easily enforced and are enforced regularly, and that is the saving grace for everything. As soon as you don't look at someone's car and they get away with it and they get away with it and they get away with it, then next thing you know, he's telling his buddy what he's doing and they're all doing it. Then you got eight guys at the track saying, well, you can't toss me. Well, they're all doing it too. So you toss all of them and then, well, you can't toss eight of us. We'll just go pack our stuff and go somewhere else. And it's like, well, you don't get mob rule to change the rules to where you're all cheating. And so uh, track owners have to have a spine. They have to put their foot down. And honestly, for me, you got to have a tech guy. you got to tear some stuff down, um, check battery voltage, stuff like that, keep everybody on the same level playing field. And if if it's enforced, it'll stay great. If it's allowed to open up, like as soon as somebody has an outlaw 1RC class where you do whatever you want, that gets, gets sketchy. So, I mean, now, granted, I am literally in the process of bolting a very high KV motor with a special 4S capable speed control and a 3S LiPo into a car. And I'm working on that because I'm a nut and I want to go way faster. I don't want to go faster. I want to go way faster. And I don't know if the car can handle it, electronics will handle it. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm working on that. But that is for me to have an exhibition in play. That's not for competition. I don't think we need to be running breakneck speeds. I mean, right now as it is, my track's one of the few tracks in the country where almost everything we race is LiPo unregulated, and the majority of it's 10,000 kV motor LiPo unregulated. So everything we run is modified. We run all the cars. Let's see. Every, every car made by 1RC, we run unregulated LiPo. The only the only reg, the only lipo regulated class we have is crate late model. Everything else is unregulated and going fast. 
Um, and then we have rookie late model, which is five volt regulated late model. Other than that, everything else is mod classes. And several of them are running 10,000 KV. So we're plenty quick. So um, as long as you enforce things and keep people in, in within certain limits, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee an issue. But I mean, it definitely could happen. Um, I see some guys building some cool stuff. Some somebody designed some upper A arms that changed caster or changed the camber on the independent front suspension cars. That's a pretty cool deal. But it absolutely goes against everything that the one RC cars are all about. So those will never be legal at my track. I'll never use them. I'll never buy them. Um, neat deal, but still, that's. I, I'm anti that because that's the opposite of what we're working for. Um, as it is, anybody anybody that buys a 1RC car um, can take a car out of a box, come to my track, bolt a lipo in it, and you're racing, and you're legal. And there's that that's super important. The problem with tracks and stuff is you if you want to go run a mud boss, you got to figure out how to convert your stock Traxxas off-road truck into an oval car. You got to buy a hundred dollar body, and you got to buy all this limiting stuff, right. and you have to figure out all the different things. So even though it's a two hundred and twenty dollar truck, once you get all the stuff you need, you're still looking at four hundred bucks all said and done. Um, so one RC right there is the only entry point for under three hundred fifty bucks um, that we're racing competitively with uh, quality structure and a level playing field. Well, as we expected, we're having a great conversation with Matt, the Murph dog, Murphy. So much great information. We're splitting this into two episodes. So that's going to end it for the first half of episode one. Uh, Tune in again next week, next Monday at 6 a.m. starting. Thank you for listening to the RC Underground Radio Podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and tell your fellow racers about the show. Tune in again next week for more RC content.